0: Okay friends, so there's this part in this book by Le- Leslie Jameson in The Recovering where she's talking about a um, place like a residential recovery place that was outside of Washington, D.C. right on the edge of the Potomac River and it was started in this sort of really beautiful ragtag kind of manner, the way that best the best kind of places are started like Love Hive um, and the community they couldn't afford like tons of therapists or anything so it was very much community run and i'm just going to read this part to you and then we'll explain it so this is this is where this is taking place at this residential facility seneca residents were often assigned contracts sometimes these were phrases written on index cards they were required to read aloud at meals my tough guy face is just a mask, it's a front for my deep fear. I have to trust you if I am going to get well. God doesn't make junk and I am sudden somebody. But there were other kinds of contracts, all specifically tailored. Residents who didn't let others speak had to stay silent for 48 hours. Residents who had trouble giving or receiving affection had to spend a week wearing t-shirts saying, I am huggable or official hugger. The Get Grubby contract was for people who focused too much on how they looked and meant they had to wear rumpled clothes for a week or stop shaving or wearing makeup. This contract had started with a surgeon who wore only three-piece suits and got a contract saying he had to wear jeans. He didn't have any, so they got him sweatpants. The contract was meant to take away the things he, he thought made him worthy, to convince him he was okay without them. The Fetch Me contract was for patients who compulsively devoted themselves to taking care of others. It meant they had to ask someone to do something for them at every meal. People who were always late had to spend a week waking everyone up at 7 in the morning. They had to be the first in line at every meal and no one got any food until they showed up. Patients who were always serious had to carry around stuffed animals and make them speak. Patients who hated themselves had to look into a mirror and figure out what they liked. Tough guys had to read The Velveteen Rabbit aloud. Some of them cried when they read the words of the skin horse, praising the shabbiest stuffed animals. Once you are real, you can't be ugly, except to people who don't understand. When you wanted residence, it was everywhere. The toys that became real were the ones that looked most broken. Good, right? Okay. so. Here's the thing, this is what I love about this, and part of what we were speaking about yesterday in prayer part one, is that all of these contracts, right, have to do with the agreements that we make to ourselves, the commitments that we make to ourselves, and then also to each other. That I'm gonna pretend that I am a yoga teacher (laughs) who's wearing these clothes named Audra and that I'm very serious, And then I'm going to pretend also to agree, agree to pretend that you are whoever you think you are, right? And that's the game that we play with each other. And what these contracts that these folks made up was challenging people to let go of the ideas and the commitments that they had made to themselves and to each other about who they think they needed to be to be worthy of love in this life so perfect and brilliant, right? It's so perfect and brilliant. And in the making of this new contract, right, it breaks the old contract. It breaks the old contract. Because if you go around wearing shabby clothes and not shaving for a week, you have to depend on something else, on that something larger that exists inside of you. Yes? So good. So what does this have to do with prayer? So we spoke yesterday, just for a quick review, um, the two things that I wanted to get through, which seemed to I got a lot of feedback from people, was that prayer is the moment, this is my definition, I came up in that liminal space right before sleep, prayer is the moment when we call out, when we are ready to accept change, when we are ready to shift our perception. It's the knowing, I'm not this thought, I'm not this belief, I'm not this action, And it's using our agency and our free will, right, to engage with that something larger inside of us. Okay. The second part about prayer (laughs) that I wanted to get across, so this is our review, is that um, when we are calling out, it can feel, or we have been taught, Right? And someone pointed this out, that this is because of our right, patriarchal system, our hierarchical system. We've been taught that we're calling out to something that is separate from us. And the new way that we can reframe it, which these people were doing so beautiful in this recovery home, right, is that when we are calling out, we're actually calling out to the larger part, the larger self that exists inside of us. However, Um, because spirit speaks only in languages that each of us can understand, that it might feel like it's coming from outside, or you might hear a voice, or you might hear a whisper. It might be a feeling that enters your body, like an energetic whoop. And all of that is perfectly fine, because spirit is speaking in a way in which it's hoping to wake you up, right? And so it's not going to speak in a way where... um, you won't understand in a language that you won't understand so all of those um, books about speaking to spirit guides or uh, um, that the um, free writing right where you write um, something that your guide is trying to pull through you or bringing in energy calling in light energy all of that is not as separate as we think that it is that really it is an uncovering of what we already think that we are right And it's a breaking of those old contracts where we think that we need to be um, strong or beautiful or successful or a Libra or (laughs) um, what else? There's so many things that um, we cling to, identities that we cling to, right? And the work of this living is to bring us to those moments when we are on our knees, when we just can't take it anymore, <laughs> the clinging, and we let go and say, I need help. Help me. That's something larger. Bring me to a larger story rather than a smaller story. And we can only come to that. That, that is when we are ready to let go, to shed identities, is when we get to that moment. Um, and what is revealed when we get to that moment when we're willing to let go there's this beautiful line i just heard it recently where it says um, that truth right is waiting for eyes that are unclouded by longing and so it's waiting for the moment when we're willing to let go of our longing for any of those identities to be in service to something larger right to that light part of us to that bigger part of us so that's, the, that's sort of the wrap-up that I wanted to do. And I think that um, what that community was doing was so beautiful because it was challenging people in a real-life way to shed the identities. To How many identities can I shed to get to the heart of who I am? And it is at the heart of who we are where healing happens. That's where healing happens. And then we can look at each other and meet each other and look at each other and be like, hmm. How'd you get in that meat suit, you know? And once we can do that, then anything is possible because we're seeing each other at the soul level rather than at the identity level. And at the soul level, we're all the same and there is no separation. Um, Oh man, it's so good. And all of the challenges in our lives, all of the moments that have brought us to our knees are perfectly designed for us to be able to get to that moment where we can meet ourselves in that way. And once we're able to meet ourselves in that way, to fall to our knees and let everything else go, to be with that larger part of us, then we can meet each other in that way. And it's the most magnificent thing that I could possibly imagine. And that's what freedom is, friends. That's what freedom is when we can meet ourselves there and meet each other there. And, you know, it's so funny. Yeah. And then there's an important line. Ram Das talks about this, which I really, and Jesus talks about this, just the two big ones, um, where uh, they say, Jesus says, to be of this, wait, is it, oh, I'm going to say it wrong. Liz, where are you? (laughs) But to be of this world, to be in this world, but not of this world. That's what it is. So it's a remembering of what you really are, is what that line says. And then, um, Ram Das says that we are in our separateness, right? But we remember that we are not separate. So you have to be in the world. We're not trying to exit the world. There's no way that you possibly can. You have to be in the world. but it's just the remembrance that there's it's not so separate as we think. right? And when we can move from that place that that's freedom. Okay, let's go to the mats. I'm so excited. I'm really pumped up today.